Amen. And I mean amen because that song is figuratively and literally a prayer. A prayer that we would hear from God, not in some uh, audible voice, not because of how seasoned or learned or insightful the person with the amplification is, but because the Word of God is God speaking. Not just that He spoke, but the Word of God is that He speaks. He still speaks through the truths that were penned by the authors of the Scripture, but inspired by the Holy Spirit, and that the Holy Spirit opens our minds and hearts to hear and internalize and live out those truths. Um, if you've been coming here for the past couple of months and haven't seen me before, uh, my name is Michael. Uh, I almost used to be the pastor of this church. Um, is that right? Almost used to be? Yeah. Uh, I am. Uh, this is the second to last Sunday that I'll be here uh, with you before my family moves back to our home state of Oregon, and I serve as one of many pastors at uh, the church that I was baptized at in college and really began my walk of faith uh, before I left it <laughs> for about a decade and a half and then uh, came back to a Savior that wanted to be my Lord and I was ready for Him at that point to be my Lord. Um, I don't know about you, but um, I am busy. Uh, I'm busy in getting ready uh, to move out of a house that we've lived in for almost 18 years. And over 18 years, you accumulate a lot of stuff. Uh, and uh, so I'm, I'm getting uh, uh, not only ready to move, but ready to present our home to the masses that will then begin judging who lives there. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but uh, the list of things that need to be done are unending. It seems like between things at home and things here at the church and then things that need to be done, paperwork that needs to be filled out for my next position and, and where we're going to live and how we're going to move, the list is endless. Um, anyone know what this is? That is, that's uh, me after a day in the sun. No, uh, that is the skin of an elephant. Have you ever heard when, when you have something big in your life, uh, a task or a, a mountain of tasks that you need to tackle? Um, how do you eat an elephant? You don't eat an elephant. Elephants are awful to eat. They're not for eating. They're for picture taking. Yeah, one bite at a time, you're supposed to eat an elephant. I, as someone that's been eating at an elephant for months and months and months, uh, I can tell you uh, I have no taste for elephant anymore. In fact, uh, I hadn't planned on doing this, but yeah, there's my reminder list. Let's just, here we go. Uh, what do I have to do today? Uh, I've got to replace the flooring trim strip, trim strip, pack up the basement, put up classroom shelves in our classroom, uh, Addie's bathroom trim, hang closet doors, paint an access door to our garage, paint basement door surround, pressure wash fence, take a bunch of totes to the garage. Oh yeah, and then I've got a list for before showing, errands, uh, oh, vehicles to sell. Do you see that? Five. 
my, my wife is ho hoping that that uh, vehicle possession thing uh, goes away. But um, we all have things to do, right? Um, and the list seems unending. And so when I was faced with, um, with preaching a couple more times before I move out west, uh, I really wasn't looking forward to it because, number one, I knew that I would be busy and tired and the heat that I've been working in and the stress and the, and the bittersweetness of leaving. Um, I didn't really want to preach, uh, which you all are like, thanks. Um, but just, uh, I, w I was, I'm not, I don't like goodbyes. Does anyone else like goodbyes? Well, it depends who you're saying goodbye to. Uh, but I don't like goodbyes, and that's why I try and be a friend that when, uh, even when people say goodbye or there's some time that's elapsed, uh, I tend to be able to pick up right where we left off if we haven't talked for months or, or years because I don't say goodbye. I just say, see you later. Hasta luego. Well, um, I've got things to do, and when it came to choosing a passage to preach from, because Andy would not assign me a passage, I asked him, what do you want me to preach on? What series do you want to start? He goes, we'll start a series after you leave. I'm like, great. So, <laughs> so uh, this morning, uh, we're going to do the, the checklist that I have come to really lean on and appreciate when it comes to studying God's Word, and that is the acronym TEXT. It's something that you all are familiar with if you've been coming here for a bit. Uh, first, we talk to God. We ask Him to reveal what only He can reveal, the truths that are in Scripture. We really only get them with His help. It's not with the help of me. It's not with the help of a Bible college or seminary degree. Those things can add to our insight into Scripture, but the only one that can really reveal the truth about himself, God, is God himself. And he also reveals truths about us. So we're going to talk to him uh, through the sung prayer that we just sang and through a short prayer here in a moment. Then we're going to read the Scripture and encounter God in humanity, see what God has to say about himself and about us. And then we're going to examine our hearts in light of those truths, how do we need to live differently? How do we need to continue to live? How do we need to think rightly about God and about ourselves? And then we're going to end with another talk to God session in prayer, but we're also going to talk to others about the truths that we learned about him. And so let's talk to God one more time. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's true. Speak to us. Open our hearts and ears and minds to your truths. Let them penetrate, Father. Uh, by, your, by the power of your Holy Spirit, convict us of what we need to be convicted of. Enlighten us to what we need to be enlightened to. And encourage us through your word as far as how we've been living in a way that's been pleasing to you. May we continue to do that in your son's name. Jesus. Amen. Okay, so we've talked to God, and now uh, we're going to read the passage uh, of Scripture uh, that we're going to tackle this morning. 
that God laid on my heart for this occasion um, so that we could, as much as possible, as much as it is humanly possible for me, uh, keep it about Him and about us and as little to do with me as possible, but yet not ignore the reality of my eminent departing. And so a couple of things of context before we read uh, today's scripture, because normally we'll read through a book of the Bible. Um, we might spend some time in the New Testament, and it, and it seems a little more self-explanatory. Uh, we're, the passage for this morning we're going to find in the Old Testament. We're going to read the last part of the book of Deuteronomy, the last chapter and a little bit of the last part of the second to last chapter in Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy is penned by Moses. It's the last of the first, Deuteronomy is the fifth book in the Old Testament. It's the last of the five books of Moses, as they're called. Uh, you might have heard the term Torah, the Torah in the, the Jewish faith. The Torah are the five books of Moses. And Deuteronomy, I like to describe it in unscholarly terms. Deuteronomy is Moses' uh, uh, letter to the Israelites, the people of Israel, to God's people. It's his letter of, and another thing, and another thing, and another thing. It's, it's Moses' farewell, but it's not a lot of like warm and fuzzy. It's a lot of Okay, you need to remember this. You need to yeah, here is here is uh, where you turn on the lights. Here is the the toilet that doesn't flush right, and you need to jiggle it. And it's all those things about the human heart. It's all those things about living a a faithful life uh, to God and remembering all of the things that God has done for the people of Israel. And so it's his last instructions book before the. Israelites enter the promised land because, as we're going to find out this morning, they're going to enter the promised land without Moses. Uh, also, a quick vocabulary note early on in the passage, you're going to see a word, uh, Jeshurun, which is a poetic name. It's a poetic name used for the nation of Israel, for the people of Israel, and uh, loosely translated, it means beloved one. So when you see Jerusalem, uh, Jeshurun, sorry, Jeshurun, uh, it means beloved one, and, and Moses is writing about Israel, not about a person named Jess, okay? So we're going to pick up at the end of the song, uh, or uh, of the, the blessings of, of Moses uh, to the people, and um, read the tail end of this fifth and uh, last book of Moses. So uh, let's read Deuteronomy 36, uh, starting with verse, or sorry, Deuteronomy 33, uh, starting with verse 26. There is no one like God, O Jeshurun, who rides through the sky to help you on the clouds in majesty. The everlasting God is a refuge, and underneath you are his eternal arms. He has driven out enemies before you, and he has said, destroy. Israel lives in safety. The fountain of Jacob is quite secure in a land of grain and new wine. Its heavens rain down dew. You have joy, Israel. Who is like you? You are a people delivered by the Lord, your protective shield and your exalted sword. 
May your enemies cringe before you. May you trample on their backs. Then, so that's the end of Moses' blessing. And then we have the narrative. Then Moses ascended from the deserts of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the summit of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. The Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan and all of Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the distant sea, the Negev and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of the date palm trees as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, to Moses, this is the land I promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it, but you will not cross over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab as the Lord had said. He buried him in the land of Moab near Beth Peor, and no one knows his exact burial place to this very day, or to this <laughs> very day. Moses was 120 years old when he died, but his eye was not dull, nor had his vitality departed. The Israelites mourned for Moses in the deserts of Moab for 30 days. Then the days of mourning for Moses ended. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had placed his hands on him, and the Israelites listened to him and did just what the Lord had commanded Moses. No prophet ever again arose in Israel like Moses who knew the Lord face to face. He did all the signs and wonders the Lord had sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh, all his servants, and the whole land. And he displayed great power and awesome might in view of all Israel. So those are today's scriptures. And before you uh, start to push in your minds and apply today's scripture reading that I am Moses and I'm about to die and you are all going to go into the promised land, it's not about me. <laughs> it's not about friendship, but these scriptures are for us. Therefore, every person that would give ear to them and implant the truths found here in their hearts. And so, in light of the scripture that we've read this morning, we are going to encounter God and humanity in this passage, and it's going to be interactive. And so, I'm going to ask you, as we've read through this passage, and I'll pull the passage back up on the screen, I'm going to ask you what truths you see about God. What does this scripture say about who God is and who humanity is? And so let me get to my handy-dandy note screen. So um, let's make that font better, bigger. I'm still, I'm still blind. There we go. So what do we see about God and humanity in this passage? What do you see? someone say something? Or is that just the voices in my head? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I like that. All right. God is a planner. 
So, uh, like my to-do list, right? You know, I have multiple to-do lists, and, and I tend to make plans and then add another list. And uh, two days ago, uh, specifically two days ago, I can remember I worked my tail off on Friday. I mean, I lost pounds of water weight outside, and I went to my to-do list for that day, and I couldn't cross anything off because I found other things that I needed to do with immediacy, and it's like, and I had such a productive day, and yet I didn't get to cross anything off, and I was like, my hopes were dashed. God is a planner, and we might even, uh, if I can add to that, a perfect planner. How about that? Because I'm a planner, but I'm not necessarily good at it. Thank you. What, what else do you see about God or humanity in this passage? He's a protector. He is a protector. I think verse 27 says he is a, a refuge. Isn't that right? Yeah, he's a refuge. Whoa, what did I just do? It's, it's not good being left-handed. There we go. Uh, he is a refuge. Yeah, and that is, yeah, right here. The everlasting God is a refuge. Oh, how about that? He is everlasting. What does that mean? Yeah. He's a, uh, he's a, uh, the celestial gobstopper, he's everlasting. The God stop, he's not a God stopper. He's a small, he's an idol stopper. He's a God stopper. Yeah, see, there we go. Now you're going to all go buy candy today. What else do you see in this passage? God's people are beloved. God loves his people. Nice. What else? He keeps his promises. He fulfills his promises. Yeah. That's a better, that's a more, that's a better word. Fulfills. God fulfills somebody else, his promises. Yeah. Wouldn't it be terrible to uh, worship and put your trust and faith in a God that didn't keep his promises? Oof, that would be bad. What else? He drives away the enemy. Yeah. Uh, God drives away enemies. That's handy. I was a little brother. I was the youngest of six. Uh, and, uh, and my brother, my big brother, had graduated from high school before. We, we never shared the same high school, he, or the same elementary or middle or high school. He was always significantly older, and so I didn't have a big brother around to drive away my enemies. Right? Um, that would have been something. My sisters uh, used my brother to drive away me. Uh, because I was their enemy in terror. But yeah, God drives away enemies. What else? 
God establishes order. Yeah, so he's not just a planner, he's an orderer. Yeah, he, uh, uh, God establishes, that looks like a word, order. What do you see about humanity in here? Let's see. Anything else about God or humanity that you see in this passage? You could infer when, uh, when in verse 29, when Moses says to the Israelites, you have joy, Israel, who is like you? You are a people delivered by the Lord. You could say humanity needs delivering. Um, who is like you? We lack self-awareness. <laughs> See where I'm getting at? Sometimes there's statements in Scripture that infer things about humanity by the author saying what we need to think or we need to pay attention to. It can be inferred easily that we need to pay better attention in those areas. How about, how about uh, going on to chapter 34 and the recording of the death of Moses? We're temporal. Humanity, thank you, Ken, humanity is temporary. at least in this form, right? Humanity is temporary. What else? We've got the promises covered there. We talked about that. Do you think, uh, do you think Moses wanted to enter into the promised land? Probably, right? All those years wandering in the wilderness, leading God's people, waiting for this moment. Moses makes a mistake, disobeys God, and that, and as a consequence, God withholds entering that promised land from Moses, but he shows him mercy, he shows him grace, and takes him to the top of Mount Nebo where he can see it. He can see it. He doesn't get to enter in. And Scripture's pretty clear about that Moses, when he died at 120, at 120, we're thinking, man, how did that raisin breathe, right? It's like, but Scripture is clear that his mind hadn't dulled and he hadn't lost vitality. It wasn't like he withered away. God ended his life because it was time for God's people to enter into the promised land under a different standard bearer, under a different leader, and, and because that timing was his timing, and Moses wasn't going to enter in because, because God kept his promise to Moses that, I promise you, because of this, you're not entering in, 
And so even though he was a full mind and body at 120, <laughs> um, we live longer without little Debbie. We do. Back in the day, um, God kept his promise and, and Moses, full of vitality and, and mind, did not enter in. Of course Moses wanted to enter in. But God had a plan. Um, now, it's, it's interesting, the epitaph, <laughs> Moses' gravestone, if you will, um, goes from verse 9 in chapter 34 uh, to verse 12. And it says, Now Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had placed his hands on him. And the Israelites listened to him and did just what the Lord had commanded Moses. There was a change in leadership. Okay? Humanity is temporary, and with temporary human leaders, how about this? Change in leadership is inevitable. Change in leadership is inevitable. And yet verse 10, no prophet ever again arose in Israel like Moses who knew the Lord face to face. Moses had seen God's face. Others had not. No prophet ever again, like in history, ever again arose in Israel like Moses. So change in leadership is inevitable for humanity. And also, <laughs> uh, uh, how, about, how about this simple observation of humanity? People are different. Think about that truth. People are different. This is different than uh, that sermon series I did a few years ago, People Are the Worst. You remember that one? <laughs> people, are, people are the worst, and I am people. But people are different. Uh, most theologians will tell you about Moses being this, this triumphant leader that that arose as a, as a baby adopted into Pharaoh's household and, and led uh, the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and was this, was, was this great um, leader, great teacher, great petitioner of the Lord. Joshua is recorded as being full of wisdom and and full of might, and Joshua led some of the greatest battles of, that's recorded in, in the Bible. But if you've ever read the next book, uh, it, Joshua, the book of Joshua, it's uncomfortable reading. I mean, it, it, the, the battles and the... I mean, Moses was this great inspirational leader and inspirational figure. Joshua was like a Navy SEAL. And, 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 and God wanted this upright, full of wisdom, Navy SEAL sort of leader for the next chapter of the health 
and survival and prosperity of his people. But people are different. Okay, you might have some unshared truths about God and humanity that we've encountered through this passage, but I want to I shift over to uh, my thoughts. Um, the top three truths that stick out to me from this passage about God and humanity. And the first is this, and we reference this, right? God is a refuge from our enemies and ourselves. Because people are the worst. They're the worst. And that's you. That's me. There are people in this room that disagree with me, think that I've made decisions that are just really poor, that are misguided. And there might be current decisions, there might be past decisions, but the people are still here. They're not in another church, they're still here. And, and that's either admirable or insane, but they're still here. And they're, and they're loved. They're loved by me, they're loved by the staff. But sometimes, the, instead of separation from other people, instead of getting in people's faces or firing off a you know, six-page email or a three-hour coffee, just deconstructing all the problems that we have with each other, the easiest thing to do is just to just go, I'm done, delete, you know, oh, here comes that person, I'm going this way. But the thing is, is that God, for you and I, God is our refuge from our enemies and for, from ourselves. When, when we see a situation, when we see a relationship, a person, a, a flaw in the system that we think needs to be fixed, a lot of times we think that we can fix it ourselves. That, that if we don't speak up, if we don't take a stand, who will? Can I give you an encouragement? Can I give you a petition from a, a departing pastor? Instead of firing off the email, instead of scheduling the laundry list of things that, that you need answers to, would you go to God and seek Him as, a, as your refuge? From, from you not knowing why this is? For, uh, would you go to God as a refuge from not just not knowing why this is, but maybe even not knowing when this will be? We had a, a sweet blessing this morning. The return of donuts. God be praised. Can I get an amen? All right, the rest of you keto people, don't email me. Email Keith. Keith at a churchforyou.com. We need to recognize that God is a refuge from our enemies, but also from ourselves. We have to remember we're not Moses, and we're not Joshua. We're who we are in the place that we've been put with 
the responsibilities that we've been given and, the, and, and, and then trust God that he can work through different people in different ways, which leads me uh, to this next point, and that is from these truths in Scripture, we all leave things undone. I look around uh, this church personally, and there are some things that are undone. The roof damage from the storm of over a year ago is still not repaired because we're still, us and our roofing company are still haggling with the insurance company. It's undone. We finally have all of the leases expired on our strip mall spaces, which I was waiting for so that we could have one cohesive approach to doing ministry out of this place, and I don't get to do it. I don't get to put my fingerprints on it or my stamp on it. We all leave things undone. I am... I, uh, last night, I was painting my garage door in the dark with my cell phone LED flashlight on the door as I was painting it. And I'm, I'm looking at my list of things to do today before pictures tomorrow and before an open house, the things I have to do. And I don't think that everything's going to get done and my wife was stressing about it because she's a planner, she's an orderer, not quite God, close, in her abilities to plan and to order. And I just had to, we had to have a heart-to-heart with each other and say, I, there are going to be things that we don't get done for the pictures, for the open house, and we're going to have to trust God uh, to sell our house in this depressed market. We all leave things undone. Are you like me? Where the things that are left undone in your life, when you're making an exit, when a relationship is making a transition, where it eats at you, where you start to feel regret? Scripture's clear. We all leave things undone. Even Moses, who there was no one like him, after he passed. We all leave things undone. And then this third truth, God uses us until he uses another. God uses us until he uses another. I hate to tell you this because it contradicts so many things that the world is really trying to ingrain in us from the very beginning of our lives. But this truth, this uncomfortable truth, is that we are all disposable. We're the red solo cup. We are not this crystal chalice that has to be bubble-wrapped and protected. We're to be used and then used up. And we're in a stack of red solo cups. Not making you thirsty. You want to get out on the boat. You want to fire up the Jimmy Buffet? That's that for you guys. Jimmy, it's Jimmy Buffett. Don't send me an email. God uses us until he uses another. So in light of the truths that we uh, 
pulled out of Scripture through your interaction and through a little bit of my pondering this week amongst moving boxes and building a privacy fence and, and sweating to the oldies. By oldies, I mean Yacht Rock, um, if you're familiar with Yacht Rock. Um, let's examine our hearts. How is God speaking to you this morning through these truths? You might have something specific because of this passage, because of some of my words um, included with this passage, some of your neighbor's words, but let's examine our hearts and look at the application of these truths. First off, does your preference of person and personality ignore God's purposes? Does your preference of person and or personality ignore God's purposes? You see, I've already, I've already disclaimed I'm not Moses. And Keith and Andy, they're not, they're not Joshua. Um, if anything, in a position, a position like mine, people see you coming in as Joshua and they see you exiting as Moses. And that's a best-case scenario a lot of times. And everybody's like, oh. Past, like when I came into friendship, Pastor Todd Stevens was Moses and I was Joshua. And there's nobody going to be like Pastor Todd. And then here comes the abrasive Navy SEAL <laughs> that's not afraid to fight. And now looking back, it's like, oh, He's mo oh, is no one like Pastor Michael? I've gotten that from a couple of you. And then the rest, silence. Um, which is fine. I, again, I don't like goodbyes and the compliments are uncomfortable. But does your preference of person and personality ignore God's purposes? God is an orderer. He's a planner. This doesn't take him by surprise. A lot of times he orchestrates it. My wife and I have tried to move our family to Oregon for long before I was at Friendship. I mean, I didn't want to move to Nashville when I married my wife, and she was living here. I said, let's live in the Northwest. It, it, it's not humid. She's like, oh, no, it doesn't rain in Nashville. Liar. <laughs> you have more days of sun here, but it, just as much water. It just comes down all at once. And I, I said something in front of some of our uh, staff earlier this week, and it got a visceral like, ooh. And I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. So why not say it in front of all you and broadcast, because that's my, my style. But I said, I'm not going to miss Nashville, except for the people. And not all them, because they're the worst. But a lot of you, I'm going to miss. And some of you, I'm, I'm going to still pray for, because I love you. As a shepherd should love sheep. Um, I'm more of a sheep dog than a shepherd. Um, so if I've nipped your heels, I apologize, but I thought it was what the shepherd told me to do. And if I was wrong about that, I apologize. Um, if I wasn't wrong about it, suck it up. Get in the pen. See, that's my, 
that, this is me as a person. You've always gotten me, right? Held it together for 40 minutes, Eric. Not bad. You've always gotten me. You've always gotten my personality. Um, but my personhood and my personality is not the imperative for a pastor, for a Bible teacher. It is reading God's Word, preaching God's Word, and leading God's people as a servant and not as someone to be served. And sometimes leading in the wilderness, sometimes leading in battle, sometimes saying, put your sword away. Put your email away. So examine your heart. Does your preference of person and personality ignore God's purposes? Second, examine your heart question I want you to consider this morning. How do you need to view undoneness? I made up that word. Undoneness in light of Moses' death. No prophet ever lived like him. He didn't get to see the promised land. Do you hold on with a white-knuckled grip to what's promised and not realize that God maybe is done with you in this season, in this or that? And you need to move on. Pursuing doneness Pursuing doneness is ultimately unfruitful because we all live these lives that are ultimately undone. We're all undone by death. And our only hope is in Christ that gives us eternal life. But we're going to all have regrets on our deathbed if we are cognizant, if we get warning that we're passing, uh, if we get a long goodbye and not a quick, it's over, we didn't see that coming. If we get some sort of long goodbye, we're all going to experience regrets and we're all going to experience things that we wish we had said, things that we wish we hadn't said and done. In light of this story of Moses, by the way, I've stood on Mount Nebo in Jordan. I stood there. Coincidentally, there's this this, this hill, mountain, it's about the same size as Mount Nebo. Mount Nebo is not that high. But in the desert, it's high. But there's a mountain uh, on the outskirts of Eugene, Oregon, and Springfield. Eugene Springfield is separated by Interstate 5, and right in between is Mount Pisgah. <laughs> so I've stood on Mount Nebo in Jordan. I've stood on Mount Pisgah, which is in Oregon, but that's a different one than the Bible. Anyways, side note. How do you need to live differently? If you are obsessed with order and planning and to-do lists and getting things done, ultimately you're going to feel empty or you're going to feel inadequate because you're going to leave things undone. It produces an unfruitfulness in your life because you're not God, but pursuing faithfulness instead of doneness may still have you dying on a mountain outside of the promised land, but God, the good news is, God has a replacement for you. And people can remember you. 
Am I remember you fondly or other? But God has a replacement for you. That should encourage you and it should free you from the shackles of I need to get this done. No one else can do this like me. I need to fix this. This is out of control. This church is out of control. This church is going to die unless this happens or this happens or this happens. Listen, I said it back at Elsie Patton Elementary School. This mall was providentially named back in the 70s Shiloh Plaza. Shiloh in the Old Testament was a place where the Israelites and the Ark of the Covenant where God lived and met with his people. The Ark of the Covenant had a home at Shiloh Plaza until God was done with them and him being in Shiloh, and then it was destroyed. The point of of this church, the point of this space, the point of our lives is not that we survive. The point is to be used by God until he doesn't need or want to use us anymore, and then he'll use someone else in this way or that way. Lastly, how can you live a life of victory, of confidence, when you are constantly undone? This is more of a... This is more of a... um, What kind of question is this? It's a kind of question that I can't think of. It could be rhetorical. Yeah, let's go with rhetorical. How can you live a life of victory when you are constantly undone? I, I can't live this way. Constantly undone. That's why so many believers in Jesus, so many churches have us pursue holiness. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live a life without sin. If I can just avoid all sin... Uh, then, uh, so I'm going to set up laws that everything that I think is sinful, it, it, can't, be, it can't be partaken of. And I'm going to keep myself from, from this and that, and I'm going to live a pure life. And yet we ignore Romans chapter 3 that says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no one righteous, not one. We are undone. But the good news the final good news of this second to final sermon of mine is that when Jesus said, it is finished, his work was truly done. The one and only truly whole done human being and human life was the Son of God hanging on a cross and he said, It is finished, and what was finished is the work of salvation, the work that saves you from your enemies and yourself. He, Jesus, is the finished one with the finished work that allows us to accept that our undoneness doesn't matter anymore, that we don't have to strive, that we don't have to get everything on the list checked off. 
We don't have to fix everything. Because honestly, if we're honest with ourselves, we fix stuff so that our undoneness feels better. We fix other stuff because we can't fix ourselves. And so the good news of a Mount Nebo story and a Moses and a Joshua story and a Michael and his family moving to Oregon story is that God keeps his promises. He's a refuge that we're always going to be undone. And it doesn't mean that we just sit on the couch or we just start cussing up a storm and we, you know, we roll a hand truck of boxes from next door at the liquor store in here and just go put our feet up and go, it's five o'clock somewhere. We don't do that with our lives. We, we work for the gospel. We, we talk to God and others about these truths that we want to penetrate our hearts and our lives and we talk to others because there's freedom in our own undoneness, in the doneness of Jesus and the gospel. We do that not to earn our doneness, but to embrace it, that we don't put on airs, especially when we're elevated and amplified, but that we love others because he first loved us before we were done and we won't be done until this life is finished. Um, I want to invite our worship arts team, our, uh, our Friendship Father's Day trio. A lot of the worship arts team uh, blocked out today uh, probably to, for vacations and Father's Day and and uh, um, and so I appreciate them serving this morning. Um, one of the things that we've been doing here at Friendship by going through this different way of the pressure of being profound once the keyboard starts is, is tangible. As soon as the keys, the, the chords start, I feel like I've got to be really inspirational. I'll fight through that self-consciousness right now and keep all of this dialogue internal. Okay, so one of the reasons that, um, that I have wanted Sunday mornings to transform from just me preaching one way and Andy doing the same and and have us go through T-E-X-T and is so that, number one, you can see how to just read God's Word and ask the right questions about God and about us, about yourself, so that you aren't just getting fed by me or by Andy on a, on a Sunday, but, you know, traditionally on Mother's Day, mothers are celebrated, and then on Father's Day, in most churches, fathers are guilted. You need to get your families in church. You need to step up. You need to do this. And here Friendship, we do little of either. We don't really super honor mothers, and we don't, we just, we do church on those two Sundays. 
we leave Hallmark to their holidays. But I want to tell you the story of a father who wasn't here last week, and his family wasn't either. And today, he's not here either. Oh, man, if he would just prioritize coming to church, man, God would have all these blessings. Now, the, the man I'm, I'm talking about, and I'm going to call him out, uh, is Lou Beltran. Lou and his family, they're in the, they're in the throes of, of baseball season, and, and they've had tournaments last week, and this, today he's out in West Nashville somewhere. But last Sunday, he wasn't here, and, and um, he was at the ballpark with, with this youth baseball uh, team, and it was before the game was to start, and there was this extra time, and, and, and Lou said, come on, everybody, uh, all, the, all the kids and the families and the parents that were near the dugout, come on, um, we're going we're gonna to have church right now, and if, and if you want to participate, you come over here. And so I think they played a little music on a Bluetooth speaker, and then Lou opened up a Jesus Storybook Bible, which is a great kids' Bible, but it's great for adults too, as far as the clarity and the good theology that's in a in a kids' Bible. But, anyways, they they read a story in this Jesus Storybook Bible, and then Lou goes, "Okay, we're going to talk to God. We're going to encounter God and humanity. So, what does this say? What does this say about God? And so, kids are that." don't even go to church are pulling out these truths and parents are sitting there and they're, they're doing it. And the other team comes over and says, can we get in on this? And so they, they backtrack a bit and they do it together. And then at the end, parents are coming up and going, can you, can you teach us that? Can, like, where do you go to church? And he goes, well, today, right here at ball field number two at and that's a fatherhood story right there. You want to talk church has left the building, that's church. And so as we pray, think about how you can talk with others, not just about the truths that you've learned, but how you can engage people in engaging God through his word throughout your week where this building is not necessary, where amplification and, you know, a Moses-like figure is not necessary because we're all disposable, but we're all usable by God through his spirit. So be used by God in that way this week. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your son and his perfect doneness, his perfect done work that we get to inherit. And so, Father, out of gratitude, we come to you now and we want to embrace the opportunity to be used, but with the humility that we are disposable. And so, Let's live a well 
lived life, a well-used life, an imperfect, undone life that you show your glory through. Father, we are open and broken vessels. Pour into us so that we might pour out unto others. Use our personhood and our personalities in unique ways. And Father, help us to keep biblical expectations of others that step in our shoes that they don't have to be us, that you can do things through us and through others in different ways. Thank you for your diversity of power through us. Change us, Lord. We ask this in your son's name. Amen.